You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. There are all these different people who seem to have authority in the yoga space, but they're saying radically different things, and they often seem to be criticizing each other, which doesn't feel good. I'm confused about who to believe and who to follow. Last weekend, I attended a yoga training, and I ran into one of my former teacher trainees, somebody who attended a program I taught at. I was delighted to see her and get to catch up with her over lunch because I was really curious about how her teaching was going and how she was faring as a relatively new yoga teacher. She wanted to ask me about how to figure out who to believe on social media and online in general when there's so many different perspectives being proclaimed with equal confidence. I was really glad that she brought it up because I've heard similar things from podcast listeners during my 100 Conversations project, where I'm chatting with yoga teachers who are a bit on the newer side of teaching, at least compared to many of the people I spoke with in my original 100 Conversations product, which had a variety of people, but the people in my network tended to be a little bit more experienced. So I decided to do a part two. I've been talking to a ton of newer teachers. A lot of the people who signed up are brand new teachers. And this is a theme that is coming up over and over. This sense of overwhelm from these different perspectives who all seem to make sense, but are also the opposite of each other a lot of times. I also mentioned this on the Yoga Teacher Resource Facebook community, and a ton of people chimed in. Here's one example of the comments that members wrote. It's very confusing. I've been teaching a little over two years and it can be overwhelming sorting through conflicting information and voices. Also, even discovering some of what you learned in TT may not align with information that you've learned on your own. It can get you down, make you feel small and confused. I totally hear that. And I see how challenging it is to be exposed to a sea of confident, conflicting voices while you're in the vulnerable place of being a new teacher. When I first started teaching 15 years ago, things were very different. There was almost no information about yoga online, and social media didn't really exist. Well, I mean, I think MySpace existed, but the yoga culture and MySpace culture did not overlap as far as I'm aware. If you don't remember MySpace, it was the most popular social media platform prior to Facebook, and it was mostly about pop culture, music, and online games. So for the purposes of a brand new yoga teacher, there really wasn't anything on social media. So when I was a new teacher, I had to read books and attend workshops in order to deepen my knowledge of yoga. So this meant that I had to dive more deeply into fewer perspectives. I wasn't exposed to little snippets and fragments of people's ideas taken out of context and often highlighted for maximum 
viral reach. So something that's a little bit controversial or stated in a way that pushes people's buttons is more likely to get attention on social media. So that influences what we are exposed to online. At the same time, there was also a lot less critical thinking going on in the yoga space. When you are exposed to wild, outlandish claims within a group of adoring students with nobody questioning the teacher, it's more likely that you're going to just accept those. There was also sexual misconduct happening behind closed doors that was an open secret to people in the inner circles, but most of us really were completely in the dark versus now when misconduct is so much more likely to come out due to social media. There's so many yoga teachers whose abuses have come to light in the past 10 years that, I mean, it would take a spreadsheet to count them. In my mind, the disagreements and the controversies that are happening on social media are light years healthier than spiritual bypassing, abuse, and denial. But that doesn't make it easier for new teachers to discern who to pay attention to and what to believe. Most yoga students are even more naive about the complexities of the yoga world. If they decide to become a teacher and attend a good training, that's often just luck of the draw. Is the training nearby or the training at your studio? Does it happen to be good quality? then they'll have their perspectives expanded a whole lot. But if a training focused primarily on controversies, there wouldn't be a lot of time left for actually teaching you how to teach a decent yoga class. And once you start thinking of yourself as a yoga teacher, and you start dipping your toes into communities that are saturated with yoga teachers, for yoga teachers, filled with yoga teachers... It can be overwhelming and confusing to see how much your yoga teacher training didn't cover and how much more controversy there is about almost every aspect of yoga. In an ideal world, a yoga teacher training would last a decade and it would focus first and foremost on helping you create a lived experience of yoga. But we all know that yoga teacher trainings are the cash cow of the yoga industry, and a 10-year training would not be marketable. So those of us who teach teachers do our best to balance teaching what most students intended to learn when they signed up, such as techniques of asana and anatomy and sequencing, with what they really need, which is a commitment to inquiry and a commitment to practice. On graduation, yoga teachers soon realize how paltry 200 hours of training are, and many of them give up on the idea of teaching. The most dedicated become somewhat obsessed with filling the knowledge gaps that are inevitable with more training, podcasts, and following people on social media. They often start to replace their own practice with reading, listening, and watching more experienced and successful yoga teachers in the easiest place to find them, which is generally social media. But many of these yoga teachers are saying opposite things. Alignment is essential for safety, or alignment doesn't really make you safe. Anatomy is important, or anatomy is a distraction. 
any movement can be yoga or a focus on movement in general at all is not real yoga. So the list goes on. Where should a new teacher turn for reliable information? How do you parse through the different perspectives to figure out what's right? And is it really helpful to expose yourself to what often feels like really negative discourse? If you're having reactions like this, if you feel overwhelmed or confused, or like the person in the Facebook group said, if it's making you feel small, the first thing I invite you to do is to check in with your relationship to social media. How much time are you spending being exposed to all these different limited context snippets of information and opinions? As much as it feels compelling to learn in small bite-sized chunks, I think our learning on social media is pretty limited because of the lack of context. The content on social media is enough to help us understand whether or not we resonate with a particular teacher, but if we really want to learn from them, it's important to study in a more immersed way so that we get a progression, a full picture, and context. Whether that's in an online course, a workshop, or a teacher training, I think all of those work fine. The reason that social media is so compelling is that our brains believe that if we keep scrolling, we're going to happen across something life-changing. That's the power of dopamine. Dopamine is released in anticipation of a reward and not the actual reward itself. In this case, the reward is feeling more knowledgeable by having learned something for free on social media. Although there's, in reality, very little life-changing information coming through over social media, our brains react as though it's dangerous to stop looking because we might miss something important just beyond the next scroll. The other name for this is FOMO, (laughs) fear of missing out. I want to reassure you, it's perfectly safe, and you may need to reassure yourself, it's perfectly safe to cut down on social media and read a book or do your own practice. No matter your instinct, you're not going to miss out on something important by only getting on social media once a week. And I think you might be surprised by how much better you feel. When you are on social media, who should you listen to? I'm not going to suggest that you stop following people who make you feel uncomfortable, especially if you do limit your social media and you're not getting this type of input multiple times a day, it's okay to feel some friction, to feel some tension. Not being clear on the right answer isn't dangerous. It's an opportunity to practice yoga. When you notice that you feel confused See if you can welcome that feeling instead of immediately pushing away the discomfort of confusion. Notice what confusion feels like from a less attached or involved perspective. Notice what doubt feels like. Make some space for it. Then see if you can feel deeper into something that is still an essential. Yoga. That juxtaposition of changing, multifaceted material world and unchanging core. That's the dance we signed up for when we decided to become yoga teachers. You can stay in a place of not knowing connectedness 
as long as you need, as often as you need, until the anxiety around not knowing is replaced with curiosity. When you feel more curious than anxious, now it's the time to experiment. What's your own lived experience of this concept or idea? Can you listen to people with different perspectives and stay centered without needing one of them to be wrong in order for another to be right? What can you learn by observing, feeling, and listening with an open mind? Certainty is tempting. It is compelling, but I believe it is dangerous. I can't tell you how many things I used to believe about yoga with an absolute conviction that I later did a 180 degree pivot on. I've pivoted so much I ought to be dizzy, but instead I feel cautious about making sweeping statements without context. For me, this is the ultimate gift of yoga, the ability to stay centered and to hold space for multiple conflicting truths. The essence of yoga philosophy is that there are two levels of truth, that of manifest reality and that of ultimate reality. Some schools of thought position Purusha or the universal consciousness as superior to Prakriti or individual consciousness. Other schools see them as intertwined and codependent. Either way, most of us definitely spend more of our time focused on the material world, and understandably so, as our survival depends on it. Yoga is often our first invitation to develop a relationship with a universal consciousness, something deeper, something essential. And my personal experience is that this relationship is a soothing balm for the pain and the suffering that is inherent in the material world. So our attempts to grasp an unchanging truth within the shifting sands of the material is futile. It leads to confusion, it leads to pain, and often it actually leads to inflicting pain on others. So this is why yogis turn to the unchanging stillness that we can access through meditation, because this is the anchor that allows us to relax and even enjoy the movement and uncertainty of the external world. I personally, not to my knowledge, have met an enlightened being who stays aware of both individual and universal aspects at all times. But this is the story of the bodhisattvas, who achieve this permanent awareness and stay embodied in order to help others. And I'm not claiming to be one of these or to be even remotely close. I've been practicing for over 20 years and I have made progress. It has helped me experience less suffering and I expect it to be a lifelong process. So there you have it. The quest of the yogi applied to the hectic an overstimulated life of a modern yoga teacher. It's a worthwhile adventure, I promise. I hope that you'll stick with me and we will keep making progress together, step by step. Speaking of working together, I've been in the thick of having a whole bunch of video conversations with podcast listeners, and it is so helpful and so special to me to get to hear you guys talking back to me because I'm literally sitting in a closet right now. If you have an idea or something that you'd like me to address on the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at helloyogateacher at gmail.com. 
If you have something nice to say and you also have an iTunes account, I would very much appreciate an iTunes review. Here's a recent review that I really appreciated from a listener with the username of halfcrazy13.1. What a wonderful wealth of information, Mado. I've only just discovered your podcast, and on the first day, I binge-listened for 14 hours. I am so thankful for your open heart and mind. Wow, 14 hours. I can only imagine listening to myself talk for 14 hours, and I'd probably be half crazy by the end too. But seriously, I'm so honored that you found the podcast compelling enough to listen for that long. And I'm so grateful that you took the time to leave a review. You absolutely made my day. Thank you to all my listeners for listening, for caring enough to teach yoga, and actively seek out resources to help you improve your teaching. I hope you realize what a big deal that is, that not every yoga teacher is like that. Not everybody cares as much as you do. And it's so inspiring to me to get to play a small role in that growth and that journey for you. That's all I've got for this week. As always, a gentle reminder to make time for your personal practice. And I hope you'll tune in next week for a special guest who's going to share with us some of the science behind what makes movement so magical. <music>